Hello, and welcome to PDA, Neurodivergence, and the Perpetually Determined Advocate. I am your Perpetually Determined Advocate, Cassandra. This is a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to raising awareness and acceptance of PDA, or Pathological Demand Avoidance, which is a lesser-known part of the autism spectrum. My hope for this podcast is to provide a place of learning and growth, as well as a platform for PDAers, professionals, parents, family members, and others to speak out on this condition, as well as providing resources for those who want to learn more. If you or someone you know would like to come on and use this platform to tell their story, please contact me at perpetuallydeterminedadvocate at gmail.com. Now, let's launch into this episode's topic. Let's talk back to school. My kids have been back to school for nearly a month now. And that's a rough time for any neurodivergent kid um, because you're transitioning from, well, it's a transition period, which can be really difficult for neurodivergent kids um, of all types, but you're transitioning from the somewhat lack of schedule in summer to a more structured schedule of school. You're changing teachers. You're going to be around a different group of children. Um, In some cases, you're changing schools entirely um, or changing from a setting where you were in one classroom all day long to now moving to different classrooms and different teachers. So there can be a variety of things that will potentially create um, loads of anxiety, uh, areas that will drive that anxiety forward. There are so many different things to worry about. So let's have a relatable episode, right? Whenever we were getting ready for back to school, course there's always the night where the school has an open house and they you know have time set up for parents and students to come in and you know look around the school meet their new teachers see where they'll be going and that's something that that's helpful for any kid and you know it isn't just neurodivergent children that have anxiety with regard to you know, changing schools or, or being in a new place. So that's helpful for all children. But I think especially for those of us with um, neurodivergent kiddos, that helps to at least address some of those areas. Now you know where you will be going. Now you know, um, you know, what the people you're going to be around, at least the teachers, look like. There were a few times when we went into the classrooms that some of the children that Declan knew from previous years of school walked in, so they were going to be in his class. So that, I think, helps with some of that anxiety because you know, okay, well, here's where I'm going to go. I know where I'm supposed to be. Um, I will know some of these people. Oh, this teacher seems really nice when I talk to them. And I will say this, as there were a few issues that we had with his um, ABU teacher last year, because 
his school district, they don't really have the resources, I suppose, is the word to use here, to have a separate place for um, autistic, PDA type of children. Um, they are in the room with, they're, they're in what's called the alternative behavioral unit. So they're in the room with um, children who have um, other issues with um, aggression and violence. And I do understand that part of what troubles my child is uh, impulse control and the potential for aggression and violence. But it's just worrying that they don't feel the need to devote the resources to have something separate. Um, not that I think that violent children, again, this isn't like they need to be separated, they need to be off by themselves, they need to be isolated. No, they don't. They deserve socialization just as much, yes. But I had, you know, his teachers last year telling me, you know, you want to make sure we get him back in gen ed classes as soon as possible because you don't want him in the ABU classes later on because when you get to middle school and high school, those children tend to lash out and be very violent. Um, some of them, it's coming from not having a solid background at home and there's a lot of violence at home, so they use a lot of violence at school, you know, and some of these kids are just violent children who are products of violent homes, which is unfortunate, but that means that Declan is going to have to be able to operate without any sort of accommodations, and other children like him as well, right? Other neurodivergent children are going to have to um, operate without accommodations because to be in the room where they could have accommodations they chance encountering violence and that's just seems like a horrendous oversight like that is such a disservice to the neurodivergent children that need these alternative spaces it's not available because they are too busy devoting money to athletics um it's I live in, in Texas. Athletics is big. All right. Friday Night Lights is not that far off <laughs> from the from the truth, to be honest. Um, football is the reigning king and other athletics as well. But, I mean, that's the money goes to other places. It is not evenly distributed. Um, and that's, for me, that's, that's highly problematic. I've always had issue with that, but now having a child that needs resources, that is being denied those resources because that money is going somewhere else, it's even more frustrating, right? But on the positive side of things, his teacher in the, well, there are two people actually, there are two ladies in his ABU classroom and they are phenomenal. Uh, whenever, of course, I did the, the thing that I normally do when I meet new teachers, I brought uh, printed information about PDA, you know, just a short synopsis, 
here's what his diagnosis is, here's what it means, and here are some best practices for dealing with PDA. This woman actually read it and thanked me for giving it to her. I was shocked, and that's sort of a sad thing to say. You know, the teachers in those classrooms should be well-versed in what's going on with the children that they are trying to teach, because you can't meet someone where they are if you don't know where they are. But the fact of the matter is, everyone else I've given this information to has set it aside and not read it. And so every additional meeting I've had with these other teachers, I had to re-explain myself, you know? And then he had a couple of incidents at school, and she called me and asked, you know, is this to get a better understanding for him? She's like, is this type of behavior standard does this is this what's going on at home if it's not I want you to know about it she seems to genuinely care and want to understand which is huge um, for me but also for Declan because that means he's going to have a better experience and he is going to be less likely to feel like when he's with her at least that he doesn't he's not going to feel like he has to mask he's not going to be bottled up so much by the time he gets home that he explodes I mean last year it was consistent he would as soon as he got in the car come undone because that poor baby had been bottling up and masking all day long you know and there were some days when he couldn't because there are days when they can't and he would you know things would happen at school but now knowing that you know there's someone in there who does actually care that's helpful they also have like a separate area a separate room in this particular abu classroom where if he does get overwhelmed and he does need a minute he can get up and walk in there and take some time by himself to calm down which i think is very helpful for kids who are prone to really high levels of anxiety. Sometimes they need a minute to walk away from what it is that's getting them upset, whether that's work or a person or whatever, and just take a minute to calm down, right? That, that's helping to reinforce some of those healthier um, practices that we're trying to, you know, teach him for how to handle some of these really overwhelming emotions. And as he's getting older, you know, it's, it's helpful to have practices at school where he is for eight hours a day that back up those things that we're trying to instill at home. One of the other issues that he had, um, and that his teacher was perfectly uh, fine with was bringing a you know a stress ball to school something that he could you know squeeze whenever he gets upset that was something that she was she kind of suggested it was something that we didn't really couldn't really do with him last year I tried you know there were times when I would send his um he had these necklaces that had different textures on them and they were also made out of food grade silicone so if needed he could chew on it that he would be able to have in case he got overwhelmed um you know he could scratch at it had different textures to scratch at um and then he could bite on it if he needed to and it was pretty much the only thing he could bring now this year she said you know bring a stress ball if you get stressed you can squeeze on it um he still has the necklaces but uh, maybe, maybe not. We'll see how those go with him. But 
he's getting to where that's not really something he wants to do. Um, but sending a stress ball so that he can, you know, have something, even if it's not that he's upset, but he needs something to stem. He is autistic. He's going to stem and he needs to be able to do that. Um, and so having something there that he can use for the purpose of stemming is, is very useful, you know, now, as far as sensory overload, because that seems to be something as he gets a little bit older, that's starting to um, become more prevalent. You know, the too much noise is starting to really get to him. Um, textures of clothing and things like that are really starting to get to him. So sensory overload as he's getting older seems to uh, be getting to where we're going to maybe need to work on making some adjustments there. And so what he's done is now he, he doesn't like to wear regular shorts to, well, anywhere, honestly, he, you know, just like the regular material shorts, either cargo shorts or, um, denim whatever that is. He's, he's not f a fan of regular shorts. He would much rather wear something that is like a jersey knit or an athletic, um, like this, the silky athletic material. He would much rather wear um, comfortable shorts, uh, what he calls sleep shorts, because the material is just more pleasing to him and so he'll come out and say okay can I wear this shirt with these <laughs> with these shorts and he just pretty much when he goes to get dressed grabs shorts from his pajama section and a, a t-shirt and honestly I'm if that's what he's wanting to do, then I'm, I'm fine with it. He's not wearing actual pajamas to school. It's just more jersey knit shorts. And that's, that's fine with me. Uh, the only thing that worries me is that previously at one of the other schools he was at, uh, the kids were kind of messing with him about the clothes that he was wearing and how they didn't think they were stylish enough. And, um, so that's obviously a concern any parent of a neurodivergent child because they have, you know, that sort of not, how is it phrased? Um, they, they tend to be a little bit behind the curve developing socially and, um, things like that. There seems, there's a little bit of a, a delay, right? And... Sometimes it's just an issue of they don't, like, regular societal norms just don't compute. There's regular societal norms that don't compute for me that I just cannot wrap my brain around. I'm like, but why? Uh, <laughs> I think for some of us that, that happens quite frequently. But so I realize that there may be issues with people kind of making comments about it, but I would much rather him be in a comfortable state and in a place where he's not being distracted by the texture of his clothing and he's able to sort of pay attention because he is in the gen ed classes more often this year um, almost I mean they have him almost exclusively in the gen ed classes which in some cases that's fine I mean, things like 
um, science and math, he does quite well with. And, you know, he's still, for things like reading and uh, English type of stuff, grammar, he's in the ABU class for that because reading comprehension is something that he still kind of struggles with. But being in the gen ed classes, he's going, he's not going to have someone who's able to slow down and, and take time. And, um, if he, you know, starts to fall behind, he's not going to be able to sort of pause class the way that he could in the other classroom. And so I want him to be in that comfortable place. And for the most part, it seems to be going well. You know, he's a very bright child. He always has been. And so he's responding to things and he's not hit a point where he is overly concerned about if he's keeping up with his classmates. Am I, am I going fast enough? Am I falling behind? You know, we're not having those issues, or at least none of them have been brought to my attention. Uh, he does kind of come home with work that he doesn't get finished in class occasionally, but it's usually just maybe one or two questions that he has to finish. So as of yet, it's, it's not causing an issue, and I'm glad for that because that means that he's not sitting there in constant fear and worry that he's falling behind or that he's not smart enough because he does struggle with that a lot. Um, he is a child that has massive problems with confidence. Uh, he always has, and it's heartbreaking, but that's kind of something that he has struggled with. And as somebody who had those struggles growing up, I, I know to reassure him, I know to give constant um, affirmations and things that encourage him but at the same time too much of that right uh pda parents what does that do right too much of that encouragement can actually be counterintuitive to pda so it's a very it's a very delicate line to walk it's it's problematic um trying to figure out how to how to do that not problematic in a bad way i'm not complaining it's just it can be really difficult to find that um that happy medium, right? The other thing that we've started doing this year differently is that he is um, on the bus on the way home um, and on the way to school. It can get a little bit noisy because he is being picked up by um, the bus that picks up a few of the other children that have you know, whether it's learning disabilities or um, children who are in the special education classes that have some mental disabilities. Um, but so it can be a rather noisy environment, right? And he he doesn't do well with a lot of noise, especially, I mean, buses themselves are, are very loud uh, places to be. And then with loud children on on there it it was really frustrating him he was coming home uh the first few days after school he would come tearing off the bus just like once he got down the stairs just running off the bus go inside and slam the door because he was just so frustrated at how loud it was so we bought him some loop earplugs the i've you've probably seen these advertised in places it's they're not completely noise canceling but they do help to bring it down i think it's i think 
I'm not mistaken, it's like 27 decibels. It can decrease. So it helps kind of dull the roar, if you will. And the only thing is they are, you know, just these two separate earplugs. They're small enough to where they have, you know, just the little silicone thing that goes in the ear, almost like an earbud type of thing. And then there's a loop that sits inside the larger cavity of your ear to where they don't get caught on things. They're not going to get pulled out, um, but they're easy to remove because of that loop. And then, of course, the worry was he he could lose them. We've already lost a pair of loop earplugs, not this year, but previously he had a pair um, and they just absolutely disappeared. So what I did was I took just um, a piece of you know, necklace type of material, one that was flexible, that was in the craft section of the store. And I tied, I put them on there and then I just tied knots to where it can be loosened or tightened. Um, so it can go over his head. Now it's not quite loose enough to where he can just sort of throw it on and take it off. It is, um, it, it does take a second to kind of get it off. So you kind of have to move back and forth because I didn't want it to be something easily taken on and off because then he might take it off, show it to somebody and, and then drop it. But this way, because it's, it takes a second that kind of decreases, I guess, the, the urge to take it on and off. And so I put them on there and it's long enough to where he can with them on the necklace, he just can put them in his ears, right? There's enough space for him to put them in. But the string itself is is light, so it's not going to pull down on them. Because initially I put them on the the string that held one of his uh, chew necklaces, right? One of his um, scratchy stem necklaces type of things. But that was there. That piece of silicone was there, and it was pulling down. It was pulling the, the earplugs out. So I, I switched to this one, and with the really light string, he's able to put them in his ears, but then if it falls out of his ear, it's attached to that string, so it's not going anywhere. He he won't have to worry about losing them, because I don't need to add another worry to this child's day by any means. Now, the last thing that I wanted to kind of share with you guys is that Declan, he entered fourth grade this year. So he, the way the schools are set up around here is kindergarten through third year, they're in one school, four and five, they're in uh, a different school, six through eight, and then nine through 12, right? So he's in there with, and they combine, they had two campuses that do K through three. And then those two campuses combine at the four and, uh, for the school that does four and five. So there's two schools worth of kids, and some of these children are kids he hasn't been around before, and some of them are people he's familiar with. But part of ADHD, right, is executive dysfunction. And part of that is a lack of coordination, you know, being uh, deemed as clumsy, if you will, or, you know, having trouble with running into things and whatever. There's There are coordination issues that are directly correlated to ADHD because of executive dysfunction. 
and Declan struggles with those. Um, he runs into stuff all the time. Um, we all do, though. Everybody in this house w has run into doorways more often than not. Like, we have bumped into tables and things like that, um, which is one of the reasons why we never were alerted by any of that, because we all pretty much do that. Um, but, you know, he's he's what people would normally call a clumsy kid. Um, and it's because of that executive dysfunction. But that also means that when it comes to catching things that are thrown to him or being able to throw things with, uh, with aim, he, you know, he's a little behind the curve on that. He struggles with it sometimes. And this year in PE, they changed up, you know, it's a different perspective on how they do things. Each week they'll do a different sport um, but we've noticed over the past few weeks, Declan will come home and say how he was crying in PE because, um, it was hard. It was hard. This past Friday, he finally explained to us what he meant by that. Um, he's being bullied. He's being targeted. They're either doing, there are some boys in his PE class that will intentionally keep, uh, him out of the game by sort of playing keep away and not throwing to him or this last week they were playing dodgeball and so there were some kids who were telling everyone to throw their balls directly at Declan to hit him to aim for him they were targeting him and singling him out and so now we have a better idea of why he is struggling so much with PE and getting so overwhelmed emotionally in PE because he's, he's being targeted. And so that's something that I knew as he got older, this was something we were going to have to deal with. I was hoping it wouldn't be this soon. I was hoping that children wouldn't already at this age be cruel, but I suppose <sighs> cruelty is a learned behavior. And considering the area that I live in, that's not all that surprising that you would have children who already are capable of cruelty at the age of 9 and 10. So that's one issue of back to school that has not been all that wonderful for us. And I'm sure many of you have similar experiences in what our children deal with, which is why we continue to listen and advocate and drive schools up the walls when they don't want to listen because we are their voice and we fight for them and we will always fight for them. So I am with you in spirit as you all experience a lot of these same issues going into uh, this school year and I wish you all the best, and as always, please, please feel free to reach out anytime you need someone to speak to. As always, you can email me with any questions, comments, constructive criticism, or concerns at perpetuallydeterminedadvocate at gmail.com. You can also find the podcast on social media. Just search PDA Neurodivergence and the Perpetually Determined Advocate on Facebook or Instagram. And until next time, remember, in a world where you can be anything, be kind.